Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes. completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started aaron is the chairman of planet technologies and the former ceo of two software companies in the interview aaron shares his unique journey and he emphasizes the importance of embracing change even and especially when it feels daunting As he looks to the future, Arun continues to be a possibilitarian, striving to diversify his company's reach while staying true to its core culture, all while relishing the opportunity to build and create both within his own company and for clients, but also for his employees. His ability to balance the present and the future is a testament to his visionary leadership. Hi Arun, welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Why don't you start by sharing a bit about who you are and what do you do? Sure. My name is Aaron Ezra and I am the chairman of Plan A Technologies. Plan A Technologies is a software development and engineering company. We do work for clients clients all over the globe. Today we've got folks in about 25 different countries and we tackle all sorts of interesting different technology challenges for large fortune 100 companies and tiny little startups alike those organizations come to us when they want to create something or fix something or they just need some advice on what to do about some kind of big technology challenge like some of the new ai stuff coming out for example and it's a lot of fun and that we get a chance to work with all of these different organizations and this is an organization that i was one of the founders of this is the third company that i have put together like uh-huh. this in the technology space. It's a real privilege every day and I feel lucky to get a chance to do it. Absolutely. And as you very rightly said, this is the third company. So can you share a bit of your backstory, right? How did you get connected with technology or entrepreneurship? Yeah, for me I I didn't know that that was a path when I was a younger kid. I always liked creating and building things and I knew that I wanted to do that in some way and 
worked in a lot of different jobs when I was younger, everything from being a writer for TV shows and working in advertising and working in crisis management and all sorts of very disparate different things. And I was never really satisfied in any of those jobs. They, I learned a lot and appreciated a lot and I had very positive experiences with most of them. But just never really felt like I'd found my calling exactly. And one day was feeling especially down about this fact and that I just didn't quite feel like I was fitting. And I was reading a book in the bookstore about all of these successful, wonderful people. And I noticed how many of them were entrepreneurs. And I didn't really know any entrepreneurs growing up at all and just started to think maybe I could do this. Maybe I could try to start my own company. And I feel like I've learned so much in helping all these other companies deal with issues as a consultant and in all these different capacities that I feel like maybe I've learned how to do this. And I gave it a try and it worked out very well. I, I really enjoyed it and never looked back. Yeah. And I think one thing that you mentioned is, right, you have tried multiple things. You have, and then creating and building, that's something which you love, right? At the same time, that brings me to change. So in a way, you have dealt with change all along, right? Even before when you were an entrepreneur. So how do you see change? Because a lot of people find it very difficult to, deal with change on a physical, on an emotional level also. So can you I, share I a bit of really your, true. Yeah. 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 So I mentioned for a moment ago that I, I was a crisis manager, a crisis consultant. So I would help all of these companies that were going through these terrible situations where mm -hmm. uh, there was a, an explosion or a scandal, or they needed to lay off thousands of people all at once. And they were in the news for all this awful stuff. And I kept seeing all these terrible things. And I realized that, A, very often the reason for these terrible things is that people were afraid of change. <laughs> mm. B, I realized that it was scarier to not change and not try to do the things that I wanted to do than it was to actually try and fail mm. do the, that I wanted to do. And that was a really big aha moment for me when I was younger and trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And it, it was extremely freeing for me when I was working at these various jobs and advancing in these jobs and getting more and more responsibility. And I would get the director title and then I'd get the VP title and then I'd get the SVP title and mm -hmm. more people reporting to me and felt all cool. But when I started to think, well, if I continue to follow this path, is this going to take me to where I want to go? And when I realized the answer was no, the idea of change went from being scary to being exhilarating and exciting. It's something that I've, I continue to try to do it a lot today in my life. In fact, I try to make sure that I move locations and move to a new house or a new city every few years. So I get a chance to change in that way. And then when I look back on my life, I think about the different jobs I've had and the different places I've lived in. And it almost seems like different chapters of my life. Um, and it's much more full than I think it would if I just continue to do the same thing again and again. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that perspective. I think that's a wonderful perspective to think about the present moment and say, how will this make me feel in the future? Rather than 20 years down the line, you're acting yeah. for something which you did not change earlier. Yeah, right? yeah. And you mentioned something wonderful about crisis as well, right? But in the moment of crisis, right? What have you learned? What kind of leadership is required or what kind of communication or human behavior is required when there is a crisis to not just fix it and wait for the next crisis, but actually fix it sustainably. 
I feel like I could write a whole book on that one. The crisis chapter of my life where I was helping all of these different companies to navigate these terrible things. And these are organizations that are really at their absolute low point. People are screaming at each other. People are crying. People are throwing at each other. Like the worst behavior you can possibly imagine in a corporation. And very often, yeah, the they, they, those organizations got to that place because some people had made some very bad decisions and some terrible mistakes, sometimes totally unforeseen. But usually there was a lot of writing on the wall and you, they should have seen that. And most of the organizations that had that, those really major crises had some very significant dysfunction. And I think one of the things that a lot of leaders struggle with is they can see problems in everyone else and in every other department, but they can't see the problem in themselves. There's a little bit of an emperor's new clothes sort of issue yeah. with a lot of them. And when I advise other colleagues of mine, or if I'm sitting on the board of one of these companies where I see some of this happening, very often it's a hard conversation to say, look, you're right. Like this is messed up and this needs to be fixed, but you also need to look inward and you also need to really do some self-reflection around how did you contribute to the situation huh. that the organization is now in. And to get out of this, as you create this roadmap, do you have the right people in place? And are you the right person to help actually uh. get out of this situation? Or do you need some outside help, which is totally okay to go and ask for? So, um, you know, those, those moments when, you know, a company is at its absolute low point are... I think really defining for an organization and for the individual as they try to navigate the right way to handle those things. And honestly, I think it's about 50-50, about half the organizations can get out of that and do well. And, and mm -hmm. the other half of the organizations tend to either continue to perpetuate a lot of the initial problems or actually just fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think what you're reflecting to is right, outer growth is always coming from a place of internal growth, right? Yeah. So if, we, if I look at your LinkedIn profile, right, I see all of these like, companies that you have started or accomplishments, but what we don't see is what is happening on the inside. And as you very rightly said, it is often a very difficult thing to acknowledge and then to do something about it. Can you share some of those moments or like, how have you grown or changed internally and what were like, how hard or how easy was that process for you? For me, I feel like, not to keep talking about old children's stories, my early years were very much like a Goldilocks sort of situation where I kept trying out different jobs. And I kept going in thinking like, oh my gosh, this is going to be it. This is going to be the right thing for me. And again, I didn't, I wasn't one of these people who was like absolutely miserable and unhappy in my jobs, but it was just, it was clearly like not the right thing for me in those years. And it took a lot of soul searching to try to figure out, okay, how do I deal with this situation? But one of the things that I try to always remember is of course, life is short and you got to do everything you can to make the most of the time that you have. And I just kept trying different things. And you know, what, what's nice is that along the way I amassed all these different skills working in sales, working in, in engineering, working in crisis, working in marketing, working as an external consultant, working as an internal executive. And even though at the time, every single thing felt like, oh, geez, now this isn't going to work. And now that's not going to work. And now the other thing's not going to work. It really served me well when it came time to run my own company, because yeah. when I went and sat down with the operational folks, I had 
been in operations before. When I went and sat down and was consulting with our recruiters, I'd worked as a recruiter before. When I went and started to have to sell the very first clients on, on the technology that we'd created, I'd worked in sales before. And so I, I felt because I had tried out so many different things that at the time just seemed like a big hot mess, later felt, oh, okay, now I've learned a little bit about almost all of these different roles, which has given me a lot more, a lot more insight and understanding into how to do these things. And that's one of the things that I encourage people to really think about a lot in their own lives is that even if the job that you're doing and the work that you're doing or the activity, even if you're out of work, the, whatever it is that you're doing will contribute to yourself and who you are, your abilities in ways that you may not find out. I may not come back to help you until many years later, but I love how so many of those different things that I did when I was younger later ended up proving to be incredibly helpful. It's part of the reason I always encourage children to try out a lot of different activities in school and people to try out a lot of different jobs when they're young. And it doesn't mean you have to try different companies. You can often, one of the things that we do at Plan A is I always allow people at the company, if they want to try a completely different role, to try that completely different role and see if that hat fits them a little bit better. Yeah, and I think that's a wonderful segue into Plan A. So can you share a bit, given your unique background, given your experiences, how do you manage or lead the company and how is it different from the usual way many companies are run or operated? One of the things that there are that's a challenge is that there are 10,000 plus different software development engineering companies in the world. And trying to go and explain to an, or, to an individual like, hey, here's why we're different. Here's why we're better. Everybody tries to do the same thing and everybody often hits the same notes. What we have tried to do very much at Plan A Technologies and a big part of the reason that we have been scaling up so quickly. We have a very low turnover rate. We have extraordinarily high customer satisfaction, and we are growing by leaps and bounds, adding hundreds of people all the time, is because we focus quite a bit on making sure that we create an environment that's almost academic in nature. And so we, when we bring people on, we hire less than 3% of the people that we interview. They have to pass extremely rigorous technical tests coding tests, if they're creative, art tests, and if they're a mathematician, math tests, et cetera, project manager, UAs, DevOps, front-end and back-end engineers, et cetera, everybody has to go through a very difficult screening process in which we're screening not only for actual like talent in this given area, is the person able to do this? Does the person have a high IQ? But also, does the person, is the person kind? Is the person someone who has drive to really succeed and to do so without running everybody else over, but in a collaborative, cooperative way. And for us at the company, that culture fit is just as important as the technical fit and the actual aptitude from that perspective. And that combination of people is extremely hard to find in many of the countries where we are, in Brazil, in India, in Turkey, in Ukraine, in Nigeria, in the United States, in Mexico, in all of these different countries, we interview hundreds of people often to get one or two. And, and it's very difficult. So when we get those people, we will really do our best to keep them. We give them amazing mentors. We pay for their education. We give them great benefits. We give them remote work flexibility if they want that. We give them the ability to 
choose their projects so that they don't feel like they're being forced to do something. We make sure that we're not overworking people, or at least we try not to overwork them. That's what initially sets us apart is that we get the right people here. But then the other thing is when we take on clients, we take on clients in the verticals that we know very well, things like financial services, things like gaming and hospitality, like healthcare and high tech. And those verticals are areas where we know the business side just as well as the technical side. So when our clients sit down and talk to us, we're able to not only help address, okay, here's the exact specific technical way that we would architect this solution, but we can also actually help them understand what caused the problem in the first place and other ways to introduce this new technology to the organization from mm. a business process perspective. And one of the things that I'm most proud of is that while we often start out just by giving a few engineers to a company and saying, hey, let's try to help you out. By the end of the first year, very often I'm invited or some of the other leaders are invited to speak at their executive retreats, to attend their board meetings, and to really give them a lot of additional insight into their company, their industry, and the larger technology landscape that the organization should be aware of. And that consultative approach is something that I think the clients really appreciate. And on top of all that, we're affordable, we're always responsive, we're there 24 seven and all the other good stuff that, that makes it easy to work with us. Absolutely. Now, if you were to zoom out and look a little bit into the future, can you share what's next for you and what are some of those challenges that you see ahead? Yeah, I think that I love thinking about the future. I once had a friend describe me as a possibilitarian. Love thinking about all the different possibilities. The question you asked is a question I ask myself on a near daily basis. I think is in terms of the company, at least, I would love to see the company continue to diversify, get into even more verticals, even more countries, um, while maintaining that core culture that I just described that makes us special. And I think for me personally, I'm a builder. I want to continue to build and make things. One of the things that's such a a pleasure for me to do on a day-to-day -day basis is I get to build on two levels. I get to build mm -hmm. a company, but then the whole nature of what we do is we're helping all these other companies to build all their cool stuff. So I get a chance just this morning, I was on the phone with three different startups who all are asking for help in completely different areas where they need to build some brand new cool things. I was on the phone with several of our very large customers as well, these large multi-billion dollar international companies who are wrestling with their own challenges. And it's really fun to just brainstorm as they're like, can you give us a product spec on how you would do this? Can you help us build the other things? What I'd love to do over the next few years is really build and continue on what I've been doing and hopefully get a chance to keep exercising those creative muscles as we get in. Mm, absolutely. I love it when you say that I think about the future almost on a daily basis. And I do speak with a lot of entrepreneurs who are visionary, but they are so caught up in the day-to-day -day operations or fixing like the firefighting or whatever that they do not get the time or when they get the time, they don't have the energy or the mind space to actually step back and then think about something further ahead. Can you share how do you create that space for yourself? What allows you to do that? I think for a lot of, for a lot of organizations as the, first of all, most of those organizations are usually product companies. So they're thinking about their product and a lot of their thinking by the very nature of what they're doing ends up getting hyper-narrowed mm -hmm. down into that product or that kind of small subset of products that they have. The other issue that they have is that they very often then, as they start to scale up, they're like, all right, let's get a product manager. Let's get somebody who now is in charge of that. And let's have the product manager work with the head of innovation or something. And they'll essentially 
outsource that thinking, that creativity of what's next to some individuals. And then other people try to become more specialized in their areas. One of the things that, you know, for me, I love to think about all this stuff. And part of my last two companies were product companies. But one of the reasons I wanted to start Plan A Technologies is because I specifically wanted a company where I got a chance to think about the future, not only for my company, but the whole job is to help other companies think about the future for their companies. And that mentality, that ethos is something that we really try to indoctrinate in all of the staff at all levels of Plan A Technologies, from the junior engineer who's just getting started with us all the way to the senior architect, where we say, look, our clients aren't just hiring us to follow directions. There are thousands of other companies that are very good at just following directions. Our clients are coming to us and saying, what am I missing? Mm. Tell me how I can make this better. What is it that I'm not seeing that you who are working with all these different companies all over the world and all these different verticals are seeing that can really bring this to life? Is there a way we can not only do this more efficiently, that's great, but also should we be doing completely different features? Should we not do this at all? Today, I was having a conversation with one of our clients who is investing $25 million in buying these companies, whereas I said to them, I don't think you need to buy these companies. You can do this in a completely different way. We can do this for about a million dollars, not 25 million. And here's how we would do this. And that's really fun. And so I think making sure that even as the organization scales up, it still thinks like a startup where people are still hungry for and where you're rewarding the team members across all different areas, not just mm -hmm. the people in product or the people in innovation or engineering, but the janitors, the security staff, the recruiters, the finance people saying to all of these individuals across the organization, if you come up with some cool ideas, we want to hear them. One of the things that I always do when we have our town hall meetings is I tell the staff about some of the cool new projects we're working on. And I specifically say, do you guys have any ideas? And at first it's totally silent because nobody wants to say anything at first. And they're all like scared of sounding a little stupid, but then somebody raises their hand and somebody else chimes in and then somebody chats something. And all of a sudden you're having a really great dialogue, sometimes with hundreds of people at the same time. And those are the things that I think are super, super important to, to try to drive into the culture of a company, especially if that company's whole purpose mm -hmm. centered around innovation. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's there's so much more that we can cover in this conversation about your organization and how it operates and allows you to do what you do. But I think that's a wonderful example of listening, inviting people to share and then actually taking action and creating teams who execute or who drive your organization forward rather than you being the only sole driver. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. thank you, Samir. You've yeah. had a lot of great conversations with people. What are some of the what are some of the observations you've had as you talk to and interview all of these different people from companies around the world about the things that they do best around innovation or where they struggle the most around innovation? Yeah, yeah. So one thing which, which I have found is that success or results, right? The way we measure it is one thing, but having fun doing that or enjoying that success is a totally different thing. So I meet a lot of people who, when you look at their profiles, when you look at what they have done, you almost are left in awe. But when you meet them, when you really open and connect, you find that their life is miserable or right? they're striving for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right? true. So they're dealing with true. very real 
health or personal challenges. So can can you speak on that? How has that panned out for you? I think that I feel very grateful and for the life that I have right now and that I, after going down this path of trying all these different things out, I found something that I feel incredibly passionate about. And as you mentioned, that joy that comes from your work where your work doesn't totally feel like work, it actually feels like a hobby. It actually feels like something that you want to do is something that is way too rare in the world. And you hear about that sometimes, but you don't see it too often. And it's such a wonderful feeling. I used to, on Sundays, I would just dread Monday. I would just dread it. Oh God, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And when I started years ago and when I was much younger to go down this other path, on Sunday night, rather than feeling this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, I would start to be, I'd look at my email more frequently, like, what's going to happen tomorrow morning? And I would be so excited to, to open my email. And that's a feeling that has continued to this day. And, and it's a, I think you're absolutely right that the people who are really genuinely passionate about what they're doing are incredibly inspiring. And I'm so glad that I believed that was possible when I wasn't feeling like that and that I trusted that people weren't just lying and trying to sound cool and make themselves seem great. But it is a real thing. And now I, I feel very, like I said, I feel very grateful that I get to do it. And I think the organizations where you have not only passionate leaders, but more importantly, passionate team members are the ones where that engender the most passion from clients and where one of the things that that our client said to me about two or three weeks ago, I was just chatting with them and they're like, I have to be a little careful because all of your, the plan A staff keeps winning employee of the month. So our employees are getting a little jealous. So if you don't mind, we're not going to have, you're making us look bad. And it just made me feel so proud that our team is behaving like that. But yeah, I think that's a great point that you bring up about the passion for life. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for sharing this, but also doing this. Even in our conversation, there is an energy, there is an enthusiasm, right? There is not, I don't see stress. I don't see hurry. I don't see you thinking about the next meeting or the previous meeting. Yeah. And, and I think that's so much more valuable because that allows for gratitude. That allows for that connection. That allows for empathy. All of these things that we talk so much about, right? Empathy, trust, but it's really being in this moment, being present is what actually gives us the chance and not trying to be empathetic or trying to be trustworthy or trying to be passionate. It's just sometimes just letting go rather than getting something back, something else. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a great episode of the Hidden Brain podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened to yes, that one. I have heard of that, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great podcast. And he interviews this guy and they're talking a little bit about happiness. And one of the points that he brings up on it is the importance of savoring moments and the idea that not only savoring your food, of course, and things like that, but really like even in your work, even in your personal life, recognizing that, wow, this is, I'm getting to spend time with my son, or I'm getting to watch this beautiful sunset, or I'm getting to help this team member who's really struggling right now. Yeah. And the advice that I'm giving this person is something I might not necessarily think about ever again in my life, but this person who's getting a chance to talk to me is going to remember this maybe forever. And 
savoring those moments and really remembering them not only for yourself, but thinking about them from the other person's perspective and how the actions that you take and the words that you speak are going to be remembered and resonate with these other folks is something that I really try to take to heart a lot because I think it makes a big difference and helps you helps you take a step back to really enjoy and appreciate what you're doing in the day-to-day madness that that often comes from running a big company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for sharing everything that you shared. And before we end, I'm sure many listeners will be left curious or left intrigued by what you're sharing. So what is the best way for anybody to get in touch or to find out more about you? Yeah, best way is if you just go to planatechnologies.com, you can read more about the company. And I'm, of course, on LinkedIn. And anytime you'd like to reach out, if anybody has any questions or if anyone's interested in working with us or joining the company, please do send over your resume or reach out for any help that you might have. I love giving advice and helping folks out. And so we'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for everything that lies ahead for you and a wonderful and exciting future. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.